Good evening. I am well aware that some of you are history buffs and looked at the handout and thought this is really going to be fun. Most of you wondered why you didn't bring your pillow with you tonight. You don't need to even take a handout. It's kind of for folks that like that kind of stuff and want to have things recorded and get quotes exactly right and take it home with you and do whatever you want with it. But uh, hopefully it will help you follow along a little bit as we tackle a, a topic that uh, I think needs to be tackled. We touched on it about four years ago. We were doing a series on Sunday nights called Understanding the Times, and we looked at all kinds of weird things that were going on in the world. And if you remember, our slogan was we wanted to be like the tribe of Issachar uh, because they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And our theory was we ought to understand what's going on and know what Christians ought to do. So we tackled a number of different topics, uh, cultural things, and we spent a few weeks on the topic of Islam and what it's about and what we should think about it. Uh, in four years since then, uh, things have just got worse and more confusing. So uh, when I had a few weeks here that Toby wanted me to cover Sunday evenings, I thought that might be a good thing to uh, study and spend a little time with. It would be good for me to uh, update myself and do a little more study because I'll admit I've gotten more confused. Uh, four years ago when I studied it. I thought, well, I kind of understand what's going on and why and all that. Uh, it's gotten worse. And we are told even more confusing things. Uh, I'm talking real life here now. Uh, we're told that, no, Islam is a peaceful religion. It's a religion of peace. and uh, It's wonderful and all that. And then we turn around and we see people killing in the name of it, uh, we get told that, no, it's not Islam itself. It's just a few radicals have hijacked a wonderful religion. And we, we hear those things, and nobody seems to explain it very well. Anytime you see anybody on a talk show or documentary or, documentary or anything that says anything anti-Islam, uh, there's always some imam or somebody that they have on and that says, no, that's not what the book means at all. That's a bad translation. That's wrong. That's not, that's not anywhere close. And we don't seem to know. We sit around and listen to that and scratch our heads and say, what's going on? Um, I mean, look at the presidential race. We got two candidates. One of them uh, says we need some kind of blockade. You know, we need some kind of law that, for a while at least, checks Muslims out very closely before we let them in the country. And the other candidate says, "No, we want as many Muslim refugees as, as we can to come into the country." Uh, I don't know if the rest of you are confused, but this is confusing at the best. Uh, 
And like on that topic, and the reason I'm spending time on Sunday evenings talking about this is that thing I just mentioned, Syrian refugees and, and all that. Back when that was really going, I saw some, not heated heated, but some fairly serious exchanges on social media between Christians. Christians were saying, how can the follower of Christ say, don't take in strangers? We got to take in strangers. We got to. That's who America is. That's who Christians are. And other Christians were putting on there and hold it now. I don't think this is a good idea. You know, so we, we don't know what to do about some of this stuff. And I'm not going to settle what we do about it, but uh, I do think we need to understand it as best we can. And let me preface all of this with saying that I don't think it's really understandable. It's for a lot of reasons that we're going to look over the next few weeks. Uh, I am definitely nowhere the novice, much less an expert on this, and I don't think anyone is very well. Uh, but I've read enough, studied enough, worked at it enough that I think I can give you a pretty fair picture, uh, an accurate picture anyway, and I don't, I know that not everybody would agree with some of it, uh, but I think it's Pretty middle-of-the-road, fair, accurate history that I'm going to give you. So maybe we can understand it a little bit better. Now, my other preface is this. And this kind of boils down to why I think it's impossible to understand this. Sometimes it helps me to think, put myself in somebody else's place and think backwards. All the confusion that I have about Islam and all that, and what is it, and what's it teach, and why do people do this and that, jump on the other side of the aisle, play like you are a pagan, Martian, whatever you want, that comes and gets assigned to figure out Christianity. How would you do that? Think through this with me, <laughs> and we'll come back to this more on the final lesson when we try to draw some conclusions, but think through. How would you figure out what Christianity is about? Would you sit down and just read the Bible? Yeah, you could do that, but I think there'd be parts of it that were really confusing to you. If you didn't understand the testaments and the, the periods and who was talking to who and all that, I think just sitting down and reading the Bible would confuse you a bit about, well, what's Christianity? Uh, what if you sat down with a theologian, somebody that studied the Bible all their life, and said, tell me about Christianity? And when you got done with him, go pick a theologian in the next room and ask him, you think you'd get a coherent message that you'd understand? Oh, I, I know what, how Christianity works. I know what it's all about. I know who Christians are now. I don't think so. What if you looked at people around you? I mean, that's one of the big things today is, well, look at all these good Muslims that live near us. You know, we work with them. Go to school with them. They're good people, nice people. 
So some people say, well, look at that. That tells you who Muslims are. Well, try that on Christianity. What, what people are you going to check on? Are you going to propose a missionary? Let's look at a missionary. This is what a Christian's like. Well, let's not do a missionary. Let's look at the average churchgoer. Let's just pick somebody out of this room. Check them out, study them, their life. Will we know what a Christian is like? That makes you a little nervous, doesn't it? How about just somebody at work? Anybody that claims to be a Christian, calls themselves a Christian, look at their life, see how they behave, what they do, what kind of things they're uh, interested in, how their life goes and all that, and that's what a Christian's like. You'd have to have a pretty big sample to do much good. Because if you just pick one... Think about folks you know that say they're Christians. I mean, there's a lot of them that have never opened a Bible. They don't know what's in there. They believe what their pastor or preacher or priest or somebody tells them is in there, but they don't know what it says. They tell you they're a Christian. And they may follow some of the principles of Christianity and and all that, but could you judge the religion by somebody like that. You'd find some that were kind of mainstream, kind of understood the main doctrines and behaved kind of like you think a Christian ought to behave. And you'd find some real kooks, wouldn't you? I mean, other folks that say they're Christians, but they'll tell you that the Bible says all sorts of wacky things. And they can even show you a verse on some of it. So do you judge Christianity by them? Um, We get a question every once in a while about it on Know Your Bible. Uh, There are white supremacists that use the Genesis account where God told Satan that his seed was going to battle with Satan's seed. Yeah, there's white supremacists that teach that Abel and Seth and all that were God's seed, but that Eve also had sex with Satan, and Satan's seed created all the dark races. They tell you they're Christians. That tell you this that's what the Bible says. You judge Christianity by that? I don't think so. Okay. I mean just and I'm spending a lot of time on this because I think it's the answer to how hard it is to try to figure out Islam. Because if we tried to figure out Christianity the way we're going about figuring out Islam, we'd be a mess. Give you another example. As long as we're doing politics tonight, uh, we say sometimes what we want in a candidate is we want a good Christian. We want a good Christian in the state house or the White House or Congress or or wherever. 
Well, how are we doing on our two candidates for president? Yeah. Mrs. Clinton would tell you, I mean, she could make a real stump speech, I'm sure, about how Christian she is. The Methodist, raised a Methodist, she believes all that. And, and although she'd tell you that, she also basically believes we ought to kill as many babies as we can. But there's a guy named Scott Roder who says he's a Christian and he reads the Bible. And he says, I think what I ought to do as a Christian is kill abortion doctors. So he walked into a church and shot Dr. Tiller. Yeah, I, I said I was confused when I started. If we, if we tackled Christianity the same way, I think we'd still be confused. Okay? We understand Christianity because we've grown up in it. We've lived in a country that pretty well promotes it, and we, we kind of know a whole lot of Christians and we understand kind of how it works, but if we were an outsider trying to figure it out, we'd have a hard old day. So what I want to do in the next couple of weeks is look at some differences between Christianity and Islam from the perspective of, remember what the Bible says, how do you know what somebody's really like? By their fruits. By the fruits, you'll know what somebody's really like. So I think if we can back off and kind of ignore the fringes on everything and look at the general fruits of Christianity and Islam, look at some history, look at some results, what does this belief system produce, maybe we can get a little feel for it. Probably won't be... I know it won't be perfect in any way, but maybe it'll be enough to help us think when we hear some of the confusing dissonance that we hear about Islam and what it is and what it isn't. Okay, so those are all my lead-ins here to get you prepared for what we're going to work through here. Uh, the first little section there on your handout, the basics of Islam, uh, I considered not even looking at that at all, just... Let you read it. Most of you know what those things are. Uh, some of you may say, well, that ought to be spelled different. Uh, yeah, these words get spelled a whole lot of different ways. But I picked one that was the most common. Uh, Muhammad's the founder of Islam. He taught his followers that he was the last great prophet. He said there were a lot of prophets. Abraham, Adam was the first prophet. Uh, Abraham, Moses, David, a lot of people were prophets. Jesus was the 24th prophet. And Muhammad's the 25th prophet. And the last one and the greatest one. Okay? Uh, Islam is what the religion is called, and it means surrender, submission, submit to Allah's will. Uh, Muslim is somebody that follows, who does submit to Allah's will. Allah is the God of Islam, uh, the one true God, they say. Uh, it was 
originally the name of the moon god in Muhammad's tribe. Uh, He grew up in a polytheistic world, lots of gods. And he decided there was one true god, and he selected Allah out of all the ones and made the moon god the one true god. Uh, While we're on that, and that's a little bit of a sidetrack, but that's what we hear. Same God, all one God. We all worship one God that just got a different name. They call him Allah, we call him Jehovah. All one God. No, not right. Different. Uh, Very different. You say, well, how do you know that? How can you be so judgmental and so hateful to say that? Well, because Jehovah revealed himself in the Bible. That's what the Bible is. Jehovah telling his people, us, who he was. Now, you don't have to believe that if you don't want to. But that's what Christians believe. Now, Allah is somebody who one man told some other people about, and they wrote down in the Koran, this is what Allah is like. Now, if you read what Jehovah says he's like, and you read what Muhammad said Allah was like, they ain't the same God. Very different. Very different. We'll do that when we get down to our teachings here a little bit. You'll see that, how different they are. And there's one other way to know. Uh, John said in 1 John 2.23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Okay. Islam denies Jesus. So he was a prophet, but he wasn't the Son of God, and he didn't die on the cross. He wasn't resurrected. They deny the Son. So they don't have the Father. Okay. They've got an ancient moon god that they call the one true God. Okay. The Koran, or spell it with a K if you want to, uh, Interesting how that was prepared. It was written from memory, basically, of what Muhammad had said over his years of teachings. Uh, He claimed that Gabriel gave him the revelations. Uh, Later, after he said all these things, people wrote them down as they remembered them and collected them into a book. And that's where they got the Islamic scriptures. Uh, in addition to that, Muslims follow the Hadith, which is things that were written about Muhammad, about things he did, things he said, besides his teachings. And that's where all the basic daily laws come from in Islam. Uh, jihad, we hear that word all the time. Uh, that's another thing we get confused about, isn't it? One Muslim scholar says that means holy war. That means killing infidels. And another one says, no, it just means struggle. It's just the daily struggle of being an Islam, of being a Muslim and submitting to the will of God. Well, it means both. It is a struggle against anything that's against submitting to Allah's will. Uh, the five pillars of Islam, there are specific duties that you need to do as a Muslim. You can read those at your leisure. Okay. 
I said we'd talk about history a little bit, and maybe we can get through this in a few minutes and take a break there. Uh, and let's go clear back 2000 B.C., because I think it's important to see what the Bible says about some of this. Uh, Abraham was supposed to have a son. We've been talking about that in Sunday morning classes. Uh, you remember he decided to help along with where Sarah decided he ought to help with Hagar and uh, got uh, Ishmael. And then Isaac came along later as the son of promise. And Hagar was upset about this and who was going to get the inheritance and all of that. And so an angel told her this in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord also said to her, to Hagar, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your great misery, and he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Okay, that was a specific prophecy about Ishmael. How much you want to apply that to Ishmael's descendants, uh, that's up to you, but that's what God said about Ishmael. Now, Abraham, from that point on, had Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise. He had Jacob. He became Israel. Israel had Judah, which was one of the twelve tribes. Jesus came through the line of Judah. Jesus came and taught, revealed God, and Christianity came from that. Okay, so there's kind of the history. And you guys know the details of how all that happened and what the Old Testament said about the Christ, the Messiah, and all those things. Okay. Then in the book of Acts, we find out that what these Christians did was they became missionaries. Okay. Paul specifically, probably the most famous missionary, he went on missions to convince people or convert people people to following Jesus. Okay? He, he went into places where they were hostile to that message and they beat him and flogged him and tried to kill him and, and all of that. Christians did that. When they got persecuted and run out of, of the Holy of Jerusalem and got, later got run out of Rome and every place else, everywhere they went they taught people about Jesus who they believed was the Son of God. Okay? Lots of places they were persecuted. Lots of places they died for their beliefs. Okay? Spread all through the Roman Empire as these persecuted Christians went away. Uh, later, when Europe started exploring and spreading, Christian missionaries went with them and expanded Christianity all over. It became the world's Biggest religion in most estimates at that time. Uh, obviously, things happened with the apostasy and other things, but that's how Christianity spread. Now, in 570, about in Mecca, a fellow named Muhammad was born. And he was born into this idolatrous culture. Uh, he began preaching. He began teaching that Gabriel, the angel, archangel, had told him about the one true God. And bear in mind, all the people he's talking to believed in lots of gods. So he was a little bit of a mystic, a little bit of a 
strange character, but he began teaching that the angel had told him who the true God was and how he ought to be worshipped and how he ought to be served and all of that. He also taught that God's true path came through Ishmael, not through Isaac. Okay, he had enough contact with the scriptures that he understood some of the old stories. He understood some of the New Testament stories, too. But he said God's true line came through Ishmael and that Muhammad was his greatest prophet. Uh, people didn't like that story. They liked all their gods, so they ran him out of Mecca. He went over to Medina, which was called something else at the time, but they renamed it in honor of him. Somewhere around 622, they call that the flight, where he left and went to a new place. Uh, he began to expand his message, tell people that he was the last, the greatest prophet. And while he was doing all this, he was building an army. His origins were as a tribal warlord. Okay. Uh, bear in mind, that's the world he lived in. All of these nomadic peoples that fought all the time to capture territory and riches and slaves and everything else. He was in the middle of that. So he got his own followers. He got his own army. Uh, and he began to tell his army to conquer. And especially people that didn't believe what he taught about the one true God. Okay? So that's a lot of what you read in the Koran. Okay? Now, there's also a lot of nice stuff in there. We'll talk about the confusion here later when we get to, to some of the problems with Islam. But if you understand, when he was writing this, he was writing to his time, place, and period, trying to get followers to join his army and telling them that this was their duty, was to die for Allah if they had to. And they would be rewarded if they died in battle for Allah. Was his recruiting tool. Okay. That's what he wrote in the book. That's how he raised an army. That's how he got people to fight for him. And he got more and more powerful. Uh, he returned to conquer Mecca. He made it his capital. And then he began to send military expeditions out of Arabia to conquer other people. Now, when the Holy Book says that's what you're supposed to do, that's kind of what devoted followers do. Okay? And we'll look at it down here in one of the, the differences, but Jesus told his followers to do what? Go into all the world and teach. You read the rest of the New Testament, and the apostles said, you live such a good life among people, that they'll be interested in your God. And then you give them an answer about your God. That's the Bible plan. Okay, Islam's book says the way you spread the news about the one true God is you go conquer people. 
And if they don't believe, you kill them. That's what the book says. That was how he got his armies to do what they did. Okay? Anyhow, they spread, and they kept spreading. And they went all over the world, kept getting more and more territory. Uh, the Quran, there's, yeah, I forgot I'd put that quote down there. Uh, the Quran says, that Allah says, to fight against the people until they testify that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So they did that. They fought. They made people converts, if you want to use that term, to Islam. And in just a few years, well, a hundred years or so, they'd spread lots of places. They'd gone all over Africa, uh, Middle East, Persia, Spain. They were in India, Pakistan, Afghanistan. They'd spread all over. Now, part of what they had taken, one of what parts they had conquered, had been Christian nations. And it took until 1095, but finally, they'd taken so many Christian nations, they'd killed so many Christians, and changed whole countries to Islam instead of Christianity, that people in the world began to say, we've got to do something about this. Christians began to say, we've got to do something. And so by then there were popes in Rome, and the pope at the time, Pope Urban II, he said, all right, we've got to do something about this. So he raised some armies and sent the Christian soldiers out to war. Okay. They weren't going out to slaughter Muslims, although that's what they had to do, they were going out to reclaim territory and to keep Muslims from taking over more and more and more. Uh, his terms for that was, he said, let's carry aid to those Christians and to destroy that vile race from the lands of our friends. Okay. This was a plague in those days. It was just taking more and more and more territory and killing people to take it. Yeah. So Catholic Church organized a Christian crusade, and over the next 150 years they kept trying, had about seven crusades, to retake these Christian lands. Uh, they didn't have a whole lot of effect. It worked some but it really took Genghis Khan and the, the Mongols to come over, and they pushed the Muslims back into pretty much their original territory and got them out of a lot of lands that they were in and kind of put them in a slow period. They didn't expand so much anymore. Well, yeah, that's the history of two large religions. And I can see some differences in those. Don't know if the rest of you see it, but I can see some pretty clear differences there. And it's been going on for 1,400 years. It happens in a little different way now, but it's still happening. Okay? Uh, countries still are being taken over 
being changed by a religion that says that's what you're supposed to do. They've got a few more modern methods that we won't spend any time talking about, but it's still the basic thrust of the religion is this is how it spread. Um, yeah, let's read through these beliefs and teachings real quick, and they're more for your thought process than anything. Uh, and I just put down a number of different facts, I think, that are distinctly different between Christianity and Islam. Uh, the Bible, our holy book, has the collection of 40 men's writings written over 1,600 years. There's one central message in there. It's about God and his relationship with man and our relationship with him and the, the Messiah that he sent to save us and all that. Uh, the Koran is what people remembered about a man saying 700-something, 600-something. Uh, for about 23 years, he talked about things and people wrote down what he said. If you wrote down what I said for 23 years, you would have a jumbled mess. You know, I contradict myself a lot, I think. Probably depends what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't think that would be a very good guide for your life. And this was Muhammad telling warriors how to fight. And then he'd also throw in some things about, well, here's what Allah wants you to do. You treat each other right. You be nice to each other. And, and those kind of things are thrown in there. This is stuff he just taught his people over 23 years out in the, the desert. Okay, Christianity, basically it says our duty is to know God. To, to know him and become more like him and act more like him. Muslims' duty is to hear what Allah's will is and then be obedient. Right? Pretty big difference. In Christianity, it says that our God accepts us into his family. He wants to be our father. He wants us to be his children. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants us to be his lambs. Islam says that Allah allows people to serve him. Christianity, Jesus, is God incarnate. He is the Son of God. He's the perfect high priest. He's the substitutionary sacrifice. In Islam, Jesus is one of the 25 prophets that really didn't die on the cross. Christianity has one deity with three persons or personalities, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Islam has one God. And just real briefly, I'll mention that's one of the things I understand. That's one of the hardest things for a Muslim to get his head around. That just makes absolutely no sense. If you've been raised believing that there is one true God and you start telling them there's three gods, that blows the circuit. Okay? So that's, if we get around to evangelizing, that's one place we'd have to work on things. But there's a big difference there. Christianity, man's got no hope without Christ. Islam, you got hope if you do enough good things. If you follow those five pillars, if you do those right, and if you do enough good works, then you can have salvation. And if you're a martyr, 
if you die fighting for the prophet, guaranteed salvation. Christianity, and I know we get patriarchal and all that, get picked on and all that, but still you look at history, every place Christianity has gone, the role of women has gotten better. The way women are treated has become better. Uh, the Bible itself says marriage is like the church and the bride of Christ and husband's supposed to love the wife as himself. In Islam, uh, women are owned. The master-servant relationship. Uh, they are always degraded. You don't see that much on the news, but go to a Muslim country. Uh, Christianity, government, God did ordain government, but we talked about that last week. It's supposed to punish evil and protect the good. That's all government's supposed to do. In Islam, it's all wrapped up in one big thing. Government, uh, political life, social life, religious life, daily practices is all governed by the Quran and the Hadith, what Muhammad said and people's interpretations of that. Sharia law is the, what eventually that ends up being. And the last thing is the conversion method. Uh, Christianity, as I always said, I already said, we Christians are supposed to live a good life, supposed to be ready to give an answer, they're supposed to teach people, persuade people, warn people. Uh, that's all it says. Okay. So some people accept that and some people won't. Okay. Islam teaches that you forcibly convert infidels. Uh, if they won't convert to Islam, they can pay a tax if they want to stay alive. And if they don't want to pay that tax, they die. That's the conversion method. Uh, and that's what we see in countries all over the world. Uh, Back down at the bottom of the page, jumping ahead a little bit, but and I wouldn't bet much money on these numbers being too close to accurate, but I checked so many sites and looked at so much history, uh, these kind of middle-of-the-road guesstimates. Muslim moving through that expansion that I talked about, plus running all the slavery in Africa like they did uh, and still run slavery, uh, these are some estimates of how many people, Christians and otherwise, have been killed. Uh, maybe 120 million in Africa, 60 million Christians all over the areas they moved into, 80 million Hindus, 10 million Buddhists, hundreds of thousands of Jews, which doesn't sound like much, but there aren't many Jews in the world. So that's a pretty big number when you consider how few there are. Uh, somewhere around a quarter of a billion people might be a fair estimate of what Muhammad's plan of conquering infidels has produced. Okay. And I started to put down how many Hitler killed and how many Mao Zedong and Stalin and Lenin and all that, but it pales in comparison to what this expansion of a religion 
has done. All right, next week we'll go into some history and what people said about uh, Islam. We'll also go into uh, the problem. We'll start on the problems with Islam, and I think uh, that will help us understand more and more why we're confused when we watch what's said on the news shows. So uh, that interests you, come back, and we'll deal some more with Islam and Christianity. Here tonight and need any public uh, thing from this congregation, we'd be happy to help you. If you need to put Christ on in baptism or need prayers from this family, we're ready to help you with that. We're going to stand and sing a song. If you need to come, come.